Bienvenidos. From Poder Media, this is Poder Podcast. I am your host, Sergio Lagunas. This podcast features powerful stories from artists, influencers, and community leaders. On today's episode, we have George Torres from Brooklyn, New York, a social media and cultural consultant for Sofrito Media Group, also known as the Irvin Hibaro and founder of Sofrito for Your Soul. Welcome, George, to Poder Podcast. Hey, ¿qué pasa, mi gente? Listen, George, I know a lot about you. I see you on social media, really active, and I see through your background that where that comes from. So tell us, George, a little bit more about just briefly your educational background and origins. People want to know. All right. So first of all, soy Boricua de Brooklyn. So that makes me a New Yorkian. I love Latino culture, and I was very frustrated early on in my educational career about the fact that our narratives weren't being told in history books. So when I became an undergrad at SUNY College at Old Westbury in 1996-97, I started a platform called SofritoForYourSoul.com, which was the first cultural online magazine on the internet. Yeah, with that background, you were one of the pioneers in creating a website just for connecting Latinos to their culture, as it says on your website. So Frito for Your Soul, where did you find that inspiration to create that? And how do you continue to motivate people through your blog and other media that you produce? All of this starts in my grandmother's kitchen. My grandmother was a social worker. She was a founder of Meals on Wheels in, in North Brooklyn, which covers East New York, Brownsville, and Canarsie. Um, my grandmother used to actually, my grandmother raised me, first of all, and in the time that I spent with her, she would take me to work and she worked at the Department of the Aging, you know, uh, helping the elderly. And I got a chance to spend a lot of time with older folks and hearing stories. And one of the things that really hit me was people sharing stories of regret, things that they didn't do, things that never accomplished because they didn't have it in them to try because people told them they couldn't do something. And, and that always kind of stuck with me, like, you know, the fact, you know, that piece of it. And I just always got fascinated with storytelling. And my grandmother was an amazing storyteller. So I would be in the kitchen with her. And one of the things that she said to me early on was, Papi, all you need in this world is love, love and sofrito. And, and, and sofrito became such an important analogy for me because it's the foundation of our dishes in Puerto Rico, in, in the Caribbean. It's the foundation of flavor, right? So... It just made me think about who we are as people, as human beings, and what my grandmother represented in terms of serving the community. And it all kind of came together in, in college because now I was away from my family and I was away from all those cultural nuances. And when you go to college, you you rediscover yourself, right? You find out that you actually miss, miss Mami's Asopao, the one that she used to force you to drink, you know, when you were sick. Um, you realize that you miss so many different cultural elements and then you realize that other people on campus actually share that, that history with you or share those similarities, even if they're from a different country, even if they're from Honduras or Dominican Republic or Colombia or Ecuador, they share these, these common threads. You know, you and I both know that when we were undergrads, we gravitated towards that cultural identity. And I think that that's, that was a perfect storm for me to, to really create something that the community could gravitate to 
and they could buy into and actually invest in. Okay, tell us more about the mysterious urban hibato definition. Where does that come <laughs> from? Why do you go by that name? All right, so first of all, when I first became a poet, my nickname was El Renacido, and that comes from my fraternal name. I actually joined a fraternity in 1997 called Fire Alpha uh, at SUNY College at Westbury. Um, that was my poet name. But if we go back to 1986, I was a victim of an incident, a very famous incident that happened in New York called the Howard Beach incident. The Howard Beach incident was where a, a young African-American male by the name of Michael Griffith was actually chased by a mob of white men. Him and his family were chased into traffic and he actually got hit by a car and, and was pronounced dead at the scene. Just a couple of blocks away, not, not too far away, we got attacked, me and a Dominican friend of mine got attacked in the same fashion by a whole other group of white men. As a result, when we were in the hospital and Michael passed away, I got to talking to the family and we thought in the beginning that it was actually the same mob of men. Later on, we would find out that it wasn't the case. Nevertheless, we ended up being represented by the Reverend Al Sharpton and the legal team that he had uh, secured pro bono to help us with, to get justice. Unfortunately, their team wasn't really focused on our case because obviously in our case, nobody died. So the, 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 the anchor of all the different racial incidents that happened in that, in that period were all kind of hinged on what was happening with Michael Griffith. During that time, I, en I ended up meeting uh, uh, somebody approached my family. Um, his name is Richie Perez. He is actually one of the young lords. Um, he, he passed away a couple years ago. But Richie actually came to us and, and told us how important it was for us to tell our story. And that we should tell our story on platforms that matter to us because the Latino story was being buried uh, in everything that was going on. So we switched legal teams and we went with the National Congress of Puerto Rican Rights and Richie and a bunch of other great uh, civil rights leaders. And uh, we started our own campaign and ended up on Telemundo, Univision, New York Times, Post, uh, every, every media outlet that you can imagine. But at the age of 15, I was telling the story about hatred. I was telling the story about being a victim of racial violence. One day after a conversation at Austos Community College, Richie comes over to me because he heard me talking like half in English and half in Spanish or whatever. And he would like make fun of me and say I was an urban hero, like I was the best of both worlds. And, uh, and that stuck with me. And when he passed away, I don't know, I felt like honoring him in, in the biggest way because he's such a big part of my story. So I decided to actually go permanently by the name Urban Hibaro. So even though it's hard to, to explain to people who are not from where we're from, I decided to stick with it because I thought it was important for me to tell that story. So every time that somebody tells me they don't understand what a Jabaro is, I take it as an opportunity to educate them about my history. Yeah, that is a great opportunity. And thank you for sharing here for our audience for Poder Podcast. When did you um, decide that entrepreneurship was the way to go? You have deep roots when it comes to sharing your narrative, but also sharing other people's narrative with your consulting work. What is it that you do on a day-to-day -day basis in regards to this? The first thing I did was I, I decided to get people that were like-minded together. I got together with this guy named Luis Pagan, who in Pate Cance, he also passed away a couple of years ago. And Luis invited me to participate in a concept that he had called Latinos in tech and social media. And the acronym was LATISM. And I was invited to become a part of a team that included me, myself, him, and Ana Roca Castro, who's also a tech leader. My job was to actually develop 
the conference, developing a, co a conference that people could attend and actually share best practices. Um, I already have a, uh, had a big audience on Twitter. So you know, it, it was a no brainer that, you know, that I would be the right person to develop the conference. So we, we started, we did the conference at Columbia University. We literally paid nothing for the space because I called in a bunch of favors. The whole conference that about 100 people attended probably cost us like $300. But it was historical because it was the first time major, major people in IT, tech, cybersecurity, social media, marketing, politics, everybody came together. And Latism was a force to be reckoned with for many years after that. Even some of the folks from Latism ended up working for the Obama administration in the uh, in the Hispanic engagement segment of his administration. So, so it was a historical moment. There came a time that myself and Lewis decided to to part ways with Latism because it wasn't what we originally envisioned it to be. And Lewis went and tried again. He, he went to Miami. He met with a man named Manny Ruiz, uh, who owned Hispanic PR Wire at the time. And uh, they got together and they created what's called Hispanicize. Now, Hispanicize is a great part of my story because Manny actually invited me down two years in a row. And, and I said no both times because whatever happened with Latism kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. And I was like, yeah, you know, I really, I'm, I'm good. I'm doing my own thing. And eventually what ended up happening was I ended up going down and ended up loving the new concept. And I worked with them up until the point that they just, they just uh, sold the company to John Legazamo's uh, media company. Uh, so I worked with them for a couple of years as a social media manager, uh, as the uh, business development director, and also as a producer of some of the biggest segments that they ever had, including the Positive Impact Awards, the Declas, and the Perfect Pitch, which was a program with Wells Fargo. You bring up Hispanicize. You say that you were part of the cultivation of the uh, many segments. Can you tell us a little bit about you being a recipient for the Positive Impact Award and how that played a role in your life? Um, what ended up happening was Luis Pagan, like I said, the co-founder of Hispanicize, passed away. And Luis Pagan was really well known for his philanthropy. He was a very philanthropic dude. He really tried to like do good by people and, and create positive impact on everybody he met. And when he passed away, he left a really big void. Um, I had the opportunity to, to raise some money for his daughters for their college fund after his passing. Because he literally passed away just before the Hispanicize of that year. And as a, as a result, his wife and Manny got together to create the award ceremony. And it was a joke that we used to have. You know how Big Pun and Fat Joe called each other twin? Luis Pagan was my twin. We were both bald-headed Boricuas, <laughs> you know, and, and we had that kind of like, you know, that, that same spirit of community service. So, so his wife actually recommended to Manny that I be the first award recipient. After the first year of the, of the ceremony... Manny and I got together and we actually worked to develop a bigger platform for it. So we got together with uh, 3M and 3M sponsored it. And we actually created an award ceremony for 20 influencers the next year. We grew this thing immediately uh, right after and it, it had a good run up until obviously the sale of Hispanicize. So I'm not sure if that will be a, a, an ongoing program, but it was definitely a really big part of our history at Hispanicize. What do you enjoy the most from the work that you do? What I do in my daily business is I help people find their authentic voices on social media. There's so many people posturing and peacocking on social media and bragging about things that they really haven't done or embellishing, et cetera. I, I like to think that I tap into people's natural talents and abilities and help them find visibility in a meaningful way. Not so much in numbers, but in, in impact. That's what I do with my company 
in addition to that, you know, since I've grown, since Hispanicized, I, I've been given a, a, a even international platform. I've worked in Dominican Republic. I've worked in, in South America. Um, I've had the opportunity to do the same thing for companies like Toyota, Wells Fargo, Prudential. I've had an opportunity to work on campaigns where we tap into that community spirit. And a lot of it, you know, almost everything that I do has some kind of community angle, if you will. You know, it, it somehow benefits people. The, the best story I could tell you is right now, um, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was tapped by New York City's, uh, the New York City government, local government, uh, to be the ambassador for COVID-19 for their campaign to help people social distance and use their mask and get tested and, you know, before the holidays, before they start gathering. I had the opportunity to do that. But just before, just after I signed the, the paperwork, I actually got sick. I got, I, I tested positive for COVID. Um, so while I was in the hospital, I'm thinking to myself, like, how am I going to do this? How am I even going to get to the to the studio to record my, my PSAs? Or what am I going to do? So I started creating stories on social, sharing my, my experience with people in real time. And when I got back to the client, I said, hey, listen, I have a great story to tell about my experience. And it so happened that the organization, the Test and Trace Corps, which is the organization that was actually paying me to be an, an ambassador, turned out to be the same organization that saved my life when I had COVID. I ended up in one of their hotels and their wellness checks actually caught me losing oxygen to my brain and actually rushed me to the hospital, which saved my life ultimately. So this was like a great storyline for me to tell people as far as part of the campaign. But I also wanted to have more impact and I realized that I can't reach everybody. So I got together with the client and we talked about possibly adding more voices and more budget to the campaign so that we could actually reach further. So we ended up with a great campaign. So it includes La Bruja, it includes Eileen Campos, Candy Calderon, uh, Leora Luciano, Led Black from Uptown Collective, Fat Joe, Angie Martinez, uh, Luis Guzman, Casper Martinez. So just a great ensemble of community leaders in different spaces. Uh, and we had the opportunity to put that all together and, and run like a six week campaign uh, to help people, you know, get resources when it comes to COVID, uh, both for testing and for aftercare if in, in the event they came, they came out positive. Um, so that's that's the perfect example of how, like, for me, campaigns have naturally evolved and we use whatever the real circumstances are around us to actually amplify the message. And that is a perfect example of the work that you do. It's really impressive what you can do with your experience, your narrative, and the way that you cultivate the Latino culture and bring out the authentic voice in people. Talking about this, there's a question that I ask every guest in Poder Podcast, and that is, what continues to inspire you as a person, as a guru of social media, of Latin culture? What is your source of poder? So for me, it's legacy. I was a person that, you know, unfortunately, before high school, I was in the streets. You know, I didn't have any direction. I didn't have any power. Nobody listened to me. I didn't really have much of a presence, uh, not a positive presence anyway. And and through my grandmother's teachings and, and just trying to make her proud, I I emerged from that. And And for me today, I mean, it's all about legacy at this point. It's not even about money. I've made my money. My kids are grown. You know, they're out of college already. They're, they're adults. Um, for me right now, it's just, this is my legacy lab. You know, I'm in the process of writing my book. I'm, I'm teaching. So I've taken myself out of the spotlight. So even though I do some ambassador campaigns, but I'm not really too uh, focused on getting more ambassador gigs, I'm really trying to teach other influencers 
and influencers that are culturally conscious, that are conscious capitalists, people who are trying to do social impact, but still be able to be abundant and monetize. Um, so I'm kind of work people like you, like people who are, you know, you have this podcast and whatever. There's no reason why you can't, you shouldn't monetize this podcast. This podcast is valuable. It gives people information. It ties people to communities. It actually spreads the word about initiatives that matter. So I try to tap into that and everything about that is about my legacy. I want people to remember me for all the good stuff I did. So, you know, like that, that's really what it is. You know, me kind of like making up for the things that I didn't do right. So you're definitely a role model in the Latino culture community. But what is your favorite part of that role? When people find their power. Because I don't really believe that I teach in the sense of teaching. I think I help people self-discover their talents. I think I help people figure it out for themselves more than anything. You know, I talk to them. I give them tools. I give them history and context. And we talk about different ways that people are motivated to take action. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's them. They're the secret sauce. So them discovering themselves is actually what gives me the biggest joy. Like, that's really what makes me proud more than anything. Okay, you've touched on a lot of things. But one thing that you left out is your Capicu Poetry and Cultural Showcase. Can you touch a little bit on that? Capicu is actually one of many programs. We have Capicu. We have La Sopa, which is the School of Poetic Arts that's incubating at the New Yorican Poets Cafe prior to the pandemic. Um, and also there's the Siembra Initiative. So all of these initiatives are very different. Capicu cultivates spoken word artists and, and, uh, and poetry and literature. The School of Poetic Arts actually taps into the actual business of being an author or a podcaster or whatever the person is trying to accomplish. And then Siembra Initiative is the business arm. Uh, the business arm is really about, like, again, taking people who are already doing amazing things in the world and figuring out how they can make that their full-time gig. Uh, so Siembra Initiative actually was born out of the pandemic. It was something that I was planning to do next year. After I hit all my financial goals for this year, I was going to actually start this digital academy. And what ended up happening was the pandemic happened. And when the pandemic happened, a lot of the people that I worked with over the years were getting laid off. They were working from home. They were lost. They were depressed. They wanted to, they were thinking about that passion project and whatever it is they were trying to do, write a book or become a chef, paint or write poetry, whatever it was. And I got 150 of those people together in a group in Facebook. And I provided with um, them with uh, marketing and social media advice over the last seven, eight months. And some of them have emerged with new businesses that are thriving today. Very proud of that. Um, Capicu, we had to reinvent it, right? It was a live event series, and now we're online. Uh, we've merged with Siembra Initiatives to actually do these public conversations on Zoom and on uh, StreamYard, where we're talking to some of our, our, our brightest, uh, talented people. We just did a poetry version of Verses with uh, Bonafide Rojas and La Bruja. Uh, I'm having a conversation tomorrow with, uh, with April Hernandez Castillo about her book, Embracing Me. So we're tapping in again to the storytelling power that we have in the community and just contextualizing it around poetry, art, and community building. I love the way you just describe and how passionate you are about this. Can you leave some last words to our audience and what advice do you really have for them? Oh man, there's so much. But for me, was just like, let yourself be heard. Whatever it is that you have inside of you, like whatever semilla tu tienes adentro, whatever seed you have inside of you, let it grow. Water it, nurture it. If you look at what a hibaro is, a hibaro is a cultivator, right? 
And everything that I do revolves around three words. Siembra, cultiva, y cosecha. Those are my three words for 2021. If I could tell you anything, is to make sure that you follow those principles when it comes to anything that you're passionate about. There is no reason why you can't be living your best life, the life that you designed for yourself, because you have all the tools. You can create podcasts, you can create movies, you could write books, you could do everything and you don't have to ask permission from nobody. When I wanted to do radio and I couldn't get a radio job, I created my own radio station. You know, when, when I wanted a platform to be able to share my poetry and to share stories, I created Soprito for Your Soul. When I thought that Brooklyn needed their own version of the New Yorican Poets Cafe, I partnered with my partner, Papo Swiggity, and we created Capicu. So there's no reason why you can't do it. You have everything, everything in your favor. All the technology is there. All you need to do is put your passion into it. All you need to do is actually execute. And that's where everybody falls apart. So if anything, just do what you say you're going to do. There it is. And how can people reach you directly? I, I am on everything at Urban Hibaro. But the easiest way and the most personal way that you can connect with me today is by texting me at 917-708-5118. That's 917-708-5118. That's where you get a daily motivational message from me personally. It's not pre-programmed. It's not a spam bot. It's me sending you a personal text message every single morning and you being able to connect with me privately. You being able to ask any questions that you have about social media, about uh, community building, you know, telling your story, anything that you want, anything that you think that I know something about. Because if I don't know something about it, I know somebody who does. So just connect with me and just let's see what happens. Let's let the magic happen by itself. And here we are. Thank you so much for being here on Poder Podcast, George. It is a great pleasure to have you here. I appreciate you, Sergio. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Poder Podcast, the podcast con poder. This is Sergio Lagunas. Music is produced by Brian Navarrete. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or on your favorite app. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Poder Podcast.